I'm a really lazy girl. Um, and I, I don't really feel any shame about that now. I love lying down. I love being horizontal. I love rotting in bed, which I know is so far removed from what we see on social. Hello and welcome back to Not Sorry I'm Late with Tyler Grant and guests. I'm your host, Tyler, and today's guest is Shreya. Shreya is up there with my favorite Runtalk creators. And when I found out that she's neurodivergent, it made sense why I found her content so relatable. In today's episode, we obviously talk about how to get into running and its impacts on mental health, but also how challenging it can be to navigate a private diagnosis, the grief and discomfort that comes with late diagnosis, as well as trying to find your community, whether online or in real life, and much, much more. In this episode, you hear us chat about run clubs, apps, and a few other resources, which you can find the links to in the newsletter, which will be linked in the show notes or description box. I'll probably beg you again at the end of the episode. In fact, I definitely will. But I just wanted to issue a reminder of the fact that a rating, review, or a comment is a free way that you can support the podcast. It helps me to know whether I should continue. Should we get season two underway? Are there any guests that you want to hear from that you've not heard from before? Or any topics that you'd like to be covered? This whole thing is going to be for and by the community. So get involved, let me know, shape the direction of our future. Or not, whatever, it's up to you. But as always, we've got a load to get through today. So let's get into it. What's been going on in life lately? Have you got any updates that you want to share? Um, There's a lot's been going on. All chaotic, which is very me. I don't really think about things. I'll just kind of think them and do them. So going on a couple long haul trips in December, which is very out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm going to Vietnam and then I'm spending Christmas in Australia. So I'm really excited for that. Like now that Halloween's over, all of the Christmas decorations have come out. I've got my Christmas latte, but I'm going to be spending Christmas on a beach. That's amazing. Have you been to like that side of the world before or is this a whole new experience? This is a whole new experience. I, ne- I never went traveling after uni. Obviously done loads of city breaks, loads of holidays, but nothing really. Yeah, mostly Europe. Mm-hmm. And in January, I know people talk about the quarter life crisis, but I had the kind of like, if you went through COVID in your mid twenties, I feel like ours are a few years delayed. So I just, New Year's happened. And I said to my boyfriend, we need to go traveling right now. We need to quit our jobs, get rid of the flat and we need to move to Australia. And he, he was, he was kind of like, okay like we can discuss it <laughs> um but uh, this is very you come this is like come out of nowhere blah 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 but that's just looking back the adhd something got in my mind i was like we need to do this right now really right now like there's just no point yeah. um so this feels like a good compromise like you know we don't need to quit our jobs get rid of the flat get rid of our cat <laughs> who i wasn't thinking about we can um have a go at just doing longer trips um using annual leave and i think that tiktok definitely adds to that you can sometimes end up on like the digital nomad side and they're like why would you work a nine to five um look at me i'm working from bali today and i'm my own boss and blah 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 and actually you can still travel within your annual leave allowance and it's okay to do a nine to five and want that security so yeah, That's no, me. I was speaking with um, another guest and we were discussing the whole idea around the amount of freedom that comes with being self-employed or like a quote-unquote entrepreneur, but it's like some people actually don't need that level of responsibility over their own life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I can imagine 
like as 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 grand and amazing as like to up sticks and move sounds because I'm I'm. <laughs> When you said it, I was like, oh my God, we went through the same crisis. I'm thinking Canada or Berlin. And I'm like, never, never been to either. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I just feel like I'm meant to live there. And I was like, do you not want to do a trip before you go? And I'm like, mm, I guess I should, but it's just, I've now got to plan a trip and then also plan a move when I could just no. plan a move. And she's That's like, sound logic. That's exactly. such sound logic. My boyfriend would say, why would I want to move to Australia? Like I haven't ever been there. And I was like, so exactly like otherwise you're gonna have to pay with the flights twice just let's just move there right and then i was like yeah oh yeah so i was like canada but um we'll see if that happens but then also what else were you talking about the moving autonomy but yeah the long holidays you can definitely just like stack annual leave around like bank holidays and stuff and it goes a lot further so that'll be mm. amazing how are you feeling about it all are you like excited anxious um no I haven't actually said this to my boyfriend I had all this energy and zest for booking it I was like we need to book this right now the flight's gonna go up let's book the tour and then ever since it's been booked I've just kind of he's taken over the vaccinations the insurance the all of the actual responsible admin parts don't care um and yeah I've kind of put it to the back of my mind I think I've done this a lot in life where you want something you have this goal and as soon as I get it, I'm like, oh. it's done now. Like, it feels yeah. like you've already done it now that you've got the flight. Exactly. I obviously don't really sound ungrateful. It's incredible that I can, you know, I have the freedom, I have the money to to go on these holidays. And I know when I get there, I'll be fine. But this is a very me routine. And my boyfriend has picked up on this as well. I do this before social events. Yeah, I'll come to this. I'm so excited the evening before I'm crying because I don't want to go. And um, I think it's good that if you can recognize that pattern, um, I'm starting to think maybe it's the autism side. Yeah, props. I got it. <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking to myself. Like I have a really bad habit of booking rave tickets, and then it'll like I've got two coming up this month. And I'm like one I do want to go to because I've got a bit mm-hmm. more control over it, um, and I've kind of sold it into the person I'm going with as like yeah, there'll be music, but there's also food. So I just kind of want to go and get something to eat, and then if, the, if we like the music, we'll stay. Um, and then the other one is someone who I like. It's warehouse project, and we used to go like every year. And <laughs> did you just have a panic attack on my behalf? Um, yeah, the last time I went to warehouse project, and I eighteen, and I was like, "This, I'm done. I'm done." Was it at the depot or under the arches? Um, it was at the depot. Oh, okay. The, the big one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I got into, I had like a big period between second year at uni until my mid 20s where I just didn't go out. And so I had like a mid 20s crap. There's so much I haven't experienced. I haven't gone to festivals, I haven't gone to raves. Let's do all this fun stuff. And um, so I missed Under the Arches, mm-hmm. which looked like a really cool venue, really small. I love that whole kind of leaky face and vibe. Yeah. But still, when I went to my first warehouse project, it was amazing. And then COVID hit. So I'd, I'd only been to one. And then I think post-COVID events are just insane. They're all over capacity. You've obviously got um, younger people who missed out on mm-hmm. going out when they were younger. So you get there and the vibes aren't vibing. The vibes are off. Yeah. Like so off. And what's I, so, in so many ways, but I think one of the things that I keep noticing is like, 
you have to actually pay to have a good time. I always think it's the nights where you're like, I can't really be bothered. Or oh, I shouldn't go. They're the best ones. And the ones where you've hyped yourself up, you've got the best outfit. I don't know if you do this. In my mind, I'll foresee how the night will go. I'll have yeah. conversations in my mind. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. I get that. And it's those ones where I'm like, this isn't going to the plan that I had. Like, it's yeah, not this happening. isn't going to the script that I had in my mind. Right. Um, moving on to algorithm. What has been in your social feed bringing you joy or making you think? I'm going to go deep here. Go for it. Um, I think that social media at the moment feels a little bit dystopian. I don't know if it feels like this to anyone else. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world. And I think that whatever your social platform is, you're going to see what's happening in Gaza. And it, as someone with autism, I think I now know that my empathy, it goes beyond empathy. I feel things to such a extent that it will kind of stay with me for ages. So I think that's definitely been dominating my feed. But I've also been trying to educate myself because I'm completely clueless. And I think that when you see other people talking about it, I think it's okay to admit that you don't know what's going on. And it's okay to just educate yourself and have conversations. And I know that people sometimes scoff at, you know, well, what's what sharing an infographic on Instagram going to do? Like, blah, blah, blah. What's sharing something on your story going to do? It raises awareness. It gets people talking. And I think that... I just don't think you should ever scoff at people for wanting to learn something. Yeah, 100%. I think also in this time, I've been finding... Because people have been sharing mm-hmm. what they see, I've been able to find the creators or like the journalists that share it in a way that I can digest. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think, like you're saying, like, what's an infographic? Some people need visuals. Some people need mm-hmm. short sentences. Some people need it to be gritty, raw, on the ground, and visceral to it for it to compute what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. As much as, like, you can get the news reports and it's, like, second-person accounts. Like, when you're seeing, literally seeing what's happening on the ground from a, like, a first-person point of view, it's impossible to ignore or, like, not that obviously can't relate, but mm-hmm. it's now not is making sense the right way to put it like it yeah i think maybe it's now making sense what everyone's been describing i can see it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's a really important point you've made there and then in terms of trying uh what's been going on you've got any new hobbies activities or like even a way of thinking that might be new to you recently like have i got new hobbies i've always got new hobbies (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying so many different fitness apps at the moment. So I stopped using Nike Run Club, which I've been using for months. Picked up Runner because you can always get like a two-week free trial. Um, like loads of running influencers sharing codes. And then I tried a yoga class today. But the running theme is I've hated all of them. And I'm someone that doesn't like change. So I've got like the side of me that doesn't like change. I want routine. I want to know what's going to happen. But then the other side of ADHD, which is like, I'm bored. I want novelty. I've done this too many times. But at least I tried. Mm-hmm. And like that's advice I'd always give to someone. Just try different things. Try what you like. Um, yesterday, I signed up for a day pass at the gym. Went and did like a 15-minute strength, work- strength workout. And now I'm convinced that what I need to do is lift heavy weights so I can get really ripped. And what I've told myself is, 
just cancel your other memberships, use that for a month. And then if you're really up for it, by all means, sign up to the gym. But don't do it all at once because otherwise £100 worth of fitness memberships is going to come out of my like bank account and I'm not loving the other two. So let's just see how it goes. Because I'm definitely someone that's like, I'll just try everything at the same time. <laughs> So that's quite wise at least you've realized and like noticed that pattern of behavior within yourself I think one of my when I lived in London I was at third space and paid do you know, no wait it gets worse <laughs> oh I don't you know uh, no, that no. wasn't a gasp as in that's bad that's a gasp as in like God, space. yeah but like 10 out of 10 recommend like the reason okay I had the justification was in my head I was going to go into the office Bearing in mind, I hadn't been into the office in about three months. So I don't know why I thought joining the gym would make me go to the office because I hadn't been to the gym in about three years. But I joined the gym on the, that's on the way to work. Um, so I was like, okay, at least I can shower at the gym and I'm not going to feel gross. Like I have a really big thing about wet tiles on floors. So I can't, mm. like some gyms just aren't designed in a way that I can use. And then also the whole like towel thing. They've got towels there that actually look clean. Like it was just going to, it just worked for me. Anyway, yeah, I didn't go. I think I went, <laughs> I went once before work in about six, six or seven months, I was a member. I went to like two hot yoga classes, which were actually kind of good. I didn't, I, the whole reason I, I joined was so that I could try bar and Pilates because I've, I think I'm developing like worse hypermobility than I had before. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's get some strength somewhere. Um, went to one Pilates class and then didn't go back because I found it too hard and everybody else was doing it and I felt like an idiot and then never tried bar because Pilates went so bad so I'm just like I will invest in my health but then I might not actually show up Mm -hmm. so yeah in terms of like trying running which I think is what we're gonna dig deeper into that in our longer chat later but what do you think firstly like piqued your interest in fitness is it more around like I need to move because I have a body or is it a, more of a hobby type of thing for you? Um, yeah, I'm a really lazy girl. Um, and I, I don't really feel any shame about that now. I love lying down. I love being horizontal. I love rotting in bed, which I know is so far removed from what we see on social media and what's kind of um, applauded and what's kind of like, you know, the ideal um, I probably love sitting down and lying down so much because of the ADHD and I'm now learning don't sit down because you won't do it but it's just me kind of like self-regulating I just can kind of be um, I never I was never into sports or fitness growing up I was never athletic at school I was a tiny well I was a bit chubby I was a bit overweight and I would try and get out of PE at any at any opportunity Um I'd say I had period cramps, which were sometimes true. I would say that I'd had this, I'd had that. And the teachers were very no-nonsense. They they weren't going to buy it. They were like, well, you know what helps period cramps? Um, getting your... Movement. Yeah, <laughs> movement. Um, So I've never really grown up loving it. And I have done it throughout my teens and my 20s, always for weight loss, always to lose something, always to make myself as small as possible. And I did it. I did it overdid it sometimes never loved it and I think that this year in January when I had that crisis about oh my god I should be traveling the world my mind was just so busy I couldn't quieten the 
side of me that was like, my life isn't where it should be. Couldn't quieten the undiagnosed neurodiversity. And I'd, I had a gym membership a few years, a few months before. And like you, that wasn't going to motivate me to go. I'm not motivated by money in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to the gym and I would, I just didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do with the weights. And I was trying to do that treadmill thing the the 13 <laughs> yeah i know the one you mean yeah where you just all over tiktok where you would go and walk on a treadmill at like a different incline and i was just i was bored doing it i couldn't do it at the full speed anyway and then i just thought you know what cancel everything and i was like let me do something that's free because if i don't do it i'm not getting in that negative self-talk where i feel bad and it's free. So I think it was the end of January last year. Again, very quickly, I just said to my boyfriend, oh, I've downloaded Couch 5K, I'm going on a run. And he was like, oh, okay. And I I had like one, one gym outfit because my body had changed so much from the last time when I used to work out. And I just shuffled around the streets um, where I lived. So that's, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's, that's how I- can't I... remember what my question was, don't <laughs> worry. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that, I think that's quite a honest um account of your journey in the sense that like it's so relatable like we've all kind of been through those phases and changed attitude towards fitness and exercise and it's also I think what we're fed and like through school it's a chore then after that it's like you need to find your driver and if it's not something that you find enjoyable naturally then yeah the public shame and pressure of this idealized body is what it's it's enough of a driving force um but then I think it's like nice to hear that you have completely changed your attitudes towards it and it's more of a personal thing of like let's try something new and let's get moving um so we will talk more about in a minute but just to finish off life lately how that's not the question what (laughs) has been (laughs) what has been keeping you entertained recently so outside of social media Oh, okay. I was going to say TikTok. Um, my screen time is really bad. I think a celebrity memoir. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm i a nosy. Can I swear? You can, of course you can swear. Oh, nosy bitch. Like, <laughs> I, I read Spare by Harry. I don't even know what his last name is. What is his last name? Prince Harry. Prince. When it came out. Um, because I just want to know what their life's like. I, I grew up wondering, like, what do like, what do the royal family eat for breakfast? Do they eat cereal? Like, do they do normal things? And obviously, in the past week, very sadly, Matthew Perry um, passed away. And I found out when I was at my friend's house, and she was like, "Oh, I'm just reading the book." So I'm reading that at the moment. And then earlier this week, I did buy Britney's um, autobiography. So that's what's keeping me entertained right now. But entertained in like a like a revealing type of way I think I'm someone who always looks at other people's lives and think that it's perfect they've got it together and I think when you read a celebrity account or someone who's in the public eye it's very easy to think that they they have struggles but they're not really struggles because they've just got money they've got a bloody massive beautiful house they can you know go on a private jet but especially these two um obviously we know that Britney has had her struggles so I've been watching the public eye, but with Matthew Perry, I grew up watching Friends, or a millennial, mm-hmm. grew up watching Friends, love that humour. I never in a million years, in a million years, could have guessed 
that he had a drug addiction, that he was an alcoholic, but to the extent where he was taking sort of 50 pills a day. And it just goes to show, we just have no idea what someone else is going through. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. I'm just not sharp today and this is irritating me. Do you not worry? Oh, right. Let's move, <laughs> let's move on to learning and growing. So anything around personal growth, education, development, or any learnings about neurodiversity you've made recently that you'd like to share? I am very, very early in my learning about neurodiversity. So everything I'm learning is mostly through creators, is through an affinity group at my workplace. Um. I'm so, so grateful that I had that in place because after I got diagnosed, the first thing I did I lo- when I logged into Gmail, I just neurodiversity. And there was like an email that went around um, during a an awareness week, which had, <clears throat> oh my gosh, which had like a slide deck, which had autism demystified, ADHD demystified. And that was really, it gave me a solid ground to start on when I felt super shaky. Um there's something that the yoga teacher said today, which I think links well to your podcast, is, um, you know, next time when you're running late to see your friends, instead of saying, sorry, I'm late, say, thank you for waiting. The next time the tube isn't cooperating and you're late for a meeting, say, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for letting me join late. And I just, yeah, I think that's a good mindset to have. And I think I'm someone who is always apologizing for themselves. So yesterday in a meeting, I just, just like right now, I couldn't get my thoughts out. I couldn't, I was forgetting my sentence halfway through and I couldn't articulate myself well. And afterwards, my colleague was like, don't say sorry. You, you, you can't help it. And I was like, oh my God, why am I saying sorry? Why am I always apologizing for things that aren't that deep? So yeah, that's definitely a learning that I'm going to try and implement. It's just, I think it's just natural for us to always be on the, like, not defense, but like apologetic for not being perfect. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, who's setting these expectations? Because it's rare that I have the expectation of someone else to be perfect. Like, so what? Your sentence is a bit slow. I get things happen. You're a little bit late. Like, I think also, like, tying it to the podcast, it's like, yeah, don't be sorry you're late diagnosed. Like, it is what it is, but you're here now. Mm-hmm. Like, and having the holding and having the space for people to learn more about themselves and what it means for them to exist in a world that's kind of like not built for our brains and like building the community to all figure it out together hopefully um so i'm going to dominate the conversation for the next like what 20 40 minutes and i just wanted to know if you have anything that you wanted to ask me whether it's anything on the list or any random cues of course i do i'm super nosy so go for it (laughs) i mean how how did this podcast come about and how you know what are the type of guests and conversations that you want your podcast to be about so podcast came about podcast (laughs) came about uh it's been on my brain for like three years it's all about creating the space to be and learn about neurodiversity in a way that's a bit more relaxed a lot less um high pressure or like um as intent like tiktok isn't intent it can be funny but i think the way that you're delivered the information is very like ah 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 so uh, like you know like everyone every like every next video it's like fact 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 it's like fuck off like let me breathe but then you keep scrolling so 
um yeah so it's just a bit more of a chilled pace way to go about it and also i found that there is a lack of resources and spaces for like people of color women of color just like anyone other than white autistics to just chat and be so that's something that's kind of really important for me with this podcast and hoping to grow it into being just like a known spot that isn't also I mean it is all it is for neurodivergent people but it's not always neurodiversity first like sometimes we'll just chat about life like mm-hmm. neurodiversity shows up throughout that in so many different ways and she obviously shapes the perspective and lens we see the world through but like it's not everyday talk about the fact that like supermarkets are too loud like we yeah. don't always have to fixate on like either the negatives or those things like we can just have spaces to chat shit and this is one of them uh types of guests so it's interesting before you mentioned like bed rotting and um like no because i've literally just wrapped an interview <laughs> a couple of days ago with a like, i called her a rotting expert she's <laughs> called raven and she makes lists to help people get out of bed mm-hmm. um but they're so helpful and like sat digested edited it and realized they're so helpful because they break down all of the executive function challenges that we have mm-hmm. and I found it super interesting how we made it through that whole podcast that whole conversation without using this like key terminology that if you are newly diagnosed you don't know about and you're never going to find those tips if they're labeled under that so I'm kind of like happy that we could have that whole conversation without using such complex language and even having the first episode that went out is about um being black and neurodivergent and obviously that's all centered around intersectionality but if again you're not deep in the work you're not going to know that word so it's mm. like making it real life before getting to like the advanced stage so yeah for either newly late diagnosed or late diagnosed or newly discovered and like not deep in the trenches of any hashtag just trying to get through life and looking for help to do it that's what we're here for yeah yeah I think that kind of relates to what we were saying earlier about, you know, infographics on social media. I think with so many different topics, we've reached a point where we're almost scared to say the wrong thing. We don't know. And it's almost like, oh my God, I should know, but I don't. I don't want to ask because I don't want to accidentally offend someone. And I think that where we can open up these spaces and just have honest conversations where it comes from someone wanting to learn, I think we can all get to a better place and... I think I've definitely noticed when I've told people about this, sometimes you can see it in their face. They just don't know what to say. And it it, it isn't malicious. They genuinely don't know. Um, and I think it's because it's, you know, neurodiversity is one of those topics that we're still not that great on. It's come a long way. But um, someone said to me that it is where mental health was a few years ago. Yeah, 100%. can still be a bit of a taboo subject. I, yeah I agree with that completely I also think it's as much as it we try and say like it's not a trend it's my life like right now it's not a bad thing that it is a trend yeah. and what I mean by that is the fact that think about where we were with like the black experience a couple of years ago where we were with like gay rights where we've been with motherhood like all of these things have their uh, is the word like trending moment their like time when they get attention yes they should always be thought about but the fact that the like the term is trending not the experience so like and that's overall if we can like drown out the negative press that happens here and there will be positive in moving the movement forward at an accelerated rate 
So I have brought you on the podcast today because I think it's better late than never to discuss running and movement and just how we can integrate that into our lives and maybe the impact it's also had on you. Um, So you briefly alluded to the fact that you kind of got into running prior to having your diagnosis. So I'm just wondering how you became to realize that you were ADHD. So yeah, it definitely all ties into that post Christmas, New Year's mini breakdown that I had. And I know that I can kind of say it in a jokey way, but it really was, I really was not in a good place. And I think that partly stemmed from the fact that Six months previously in the summer, I had tried to approach this topic of trying to get a diagnosis and it, I didn't get anywhere and I felt super, it's not too difficult process. I didn't know who I should be speaking to. I didn't know the route. I didn't know the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, and it's not built to be really digestible to everyday people. And so I left it. And then I think... I'd felt like I haven't been diagnosed. I'm, I'm not where I should be in life. And yeah, I just wasn't in a in a very good place. And so my first, I can't remember if I started Couch to 5K and then I had my first therapy session or if it was the other way around. But since I wasn't getting around with the diagnosis and I was in such a sort of terrible place, I'm very fortunate. I paid the booth through my work. So I had access to CBT and I, I didn't get saying what type of therapy I had. I just told them how I was feeling and they're like CBT, which I now know that's like the first port of call for if someone, um, yeah, if someone's feeling that way. And those therapy sessions, some, you know, when you, I don't know if you've done therapy, sometimes I'm like, it hasn't worked. I feel terrible. I'm, I'm in such a panic. Where's all that therapy I did? But it it has into interwoven in so many places in my life. And I think the fact that I did, therapy or CBT and running they kind of married in the most healthy way possible because I went into those sessions with a lot of the toxic rules and the toxic mindset that I had from growing up in the 2000s growing up when all of your favorite Disney channel actresses would drop a ton of weight um and it really changed my mindset and so I I owe a lot to those sessions um, I've completely forgot the question. <laughs> How you came to realise you're all DHD. So we're just going for the journey. Um, so yeah, once I'd had those sessions and with running, I kind of pulled myself out of the slump because I think definitely when you're in that hole, you can only do so much and I couldn't do the basics. And so running was getting me outside, the therapy was getting me talking and it reached a point where I thought, no, I need to do this. and I don't know how I'm going to do it that I need to do this because it's weighing on me. And also I'm paying for Bufa. So if there's ever a time to try and do it, it's now because you just never know what, you know, you might lose your job, you might leave, you just don't know what's going to happen. But it wasn't an easy process. Um, so just for context with, uh, you know, Bufa or the other types of private health insurance, um, you go there, you have a GP appointment, you tell them, what's going on and I went in and I said oh I don't know I, I might have OCD I'm kind of having these symptoms and I couldn't even say I think it's ADHD because I was so scared of being laughed out of the room except it was a phone call because all of the information of all of the ADHD inf- information came from TikTok mm-hmm. I 
can handle my heart say if it wasn't for TikTok I would not have been diagnosed with ADHD and autism they were not in my sphere don't know anyone that's neurodivergent you grow up thinking that it's kind of a hyperactive boy at school that was my experience and yeah I didn't know how to try and translate I've seen this on social media it really resonates with me I think I might have it um so yeah that was my first port of call and started the process again I I just didn't really understand the process didn't understand the language didn't understand um who I should be getting diagnosed by and with the route I went through I had the autonomy to choose who I went to for the first consultation um just I didn't know who to choose I didn't understand that with a psychiatrist if you go with them you'll be able to get medication with a psychologist it's a slightly different thing and I had some negative experiences with a psychiatrist because not with them directly I never got that far but they're kind of part of companies I'd say and you speak to the company first and then you know they're kind of arranging everything on behalf of the psychiatrist so I kind of had some negative experiences but I just kind of had this grit where I'd already kind of left it six months and I I needed to do it for myself and there was one day I was really upset at work and I contacted 10 different psychologists psychiatrists all of them I just sent this kind of template email um and they all had insane wait times and I remember thinking how can this isn't how it's meant to go you know I I have access to private healthcare. I know the wait times are long in the NHS, but I thought this was going to take a month or two and I'd had my diagnosis and I'd skipped down the road and I had the LinkedIn post planned in my head. And yeah, the the person that did have an opening was a clinical psychologist and I'm so grateful that it went that way because she just understood me very well. And when we had the phone call, she was like, look, I'm not just going to give you a diagnosis for the sake of it because what's that going to be to you? I'm going to tell you exactly what type of ADHD you have because there are different types. I didn't know that. And she was like, if you want to do this, you're going to have to come to me, you're going to have to travel to me, and we're going to do a full day of testing. And it was really thorough. And in that really thorough um, day of testing, the autism got picked up. Wow. So, yeah, that one, that one was a surprise I always kind of joke oh, I got a buy one get one free deal but um yeah it was it was a big one to try and sort of digest I can imagine so it wasn't even on your radar at all you were like 100% if it's going to be anything with what I know it'll be ADHD yeah but the funny thing is I think I think this resonates with a lot of people that have been diagnosed with ADHD and maybe other forms of neurodiversity I was going through the process and I was like I don't know if I have this. Maybe mm. I don't. Maybe I'm wasting her time. Maybe I've wasted everyone's time by doing this. Um, and I could never figure out, do I want to be diagnosed or do I not? I, I couldn't figure out what felt worse. Because getting diagnosed meant that I had gone 29 years where it hadn't been picked up. And the very idea that I'd struggled at school, struggled at university, struggled in so many areas of my life, and it had just gone under the radar that felt too difficult to handle so um yeah even even a day I remember it was a Friday evening where I got my results I was like maybe I don't have it and then I came out of the call in a flood of tears and my boyfriend was like how did it go and I was like 
I don't know. I tried to make a joke. Yeah. I was like, guess what? And he was like, what? I was like, I have have ADHD and autism. I just tried to laugh it off because that's what I've done my entire life. I I just always tried to be the funny friend. It's like a coping mechanism. So, yeah, it obviously didn't work this time. It didn't work this time. It's that whole thing of like humor to process trauma, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, if you've got to get through it. It's like, don't laugh or cry. Mm. Um, how does it sit with you now? It sits comfortably, and it sits comfortably because I've had since June to process it and accept it. And when I had a follow up call with the clinical psychologist, she said, "You, you're grieving." And it's okay to grieve, grieve for the person that you thought you were, grieve for, you know, the the childhood or the teenagers where things just got missed by so many different people. And even with that information, it took me a long, long time to be able to say that I have autism. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to tell my line manager at work and I couldn't get the words out. They were like stuck in my throat. And it's because we see autism portrayed in TV shows and films as often a non-verbal child. We we see those extremes. We don't see the high-functioning women that have it, where it's not really obvious. And so, it it felt kind of yeah. I was I felt blindsided by it. But I remember when she first um, told me, you know, do you think I'm wrong about this? I was like, no. Because the few times where I've seen an infographic, um, I've, I've always thought, oh my gosh, that kind of sounds like me, but I can't even begin to let that sit in my brain. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to bury it somewhere. Um, but if anything now, autism feel, feels like feels like a protective layer that you know all of these things that I've experienced in my life the things that come across as bad habits or rudeness or being blunt or this that or the other actually this is me and if you don't like it sold off <laughs> no I think like the phrasing that's really nice is like the diagnosis being a protective blanket because you're right like there are so many years you go through time thinking like who am I like why am I so different like everyone and I think for me it was a case of everyone has these challenges and I get their universal challenges but they're the things I find easy where I'm struggling is things I should have smashed when I was six like I can't hold a conversation eye contact like makes me feel viscerally uncomfortable like there's a reason I'm like this it's all good so I think we kind of touched on like what got you into running but I'd love to hear you talk more about why or like what the impact's been on like your mental health and general lifestyle. Again, you mentioned it a little bit, like it set the foundation to get out of depressive episodes, but anything else you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I think um, I always see TikToks and it's like running has changed my life and running has done this for me and running has that. And I understand what it is. It's a hook. You know, I've now learned a lot about social media and like, you know, what gets people in and what reels people in. But I just always want to say to people, you changed your life. You did that because you decided to put on your trainers and go out for a run. And um, I definitely felt that way when I first got diagnosed. I was like, oh God, thank God this happened. 
when I had running because if I didn't have running I don't know what I don't know what I'd be able to do and the first thing I did the next day I think I went and did like a 12k run on my own and I felt like an out-of-body experience I was just like running kind of running my heart out running the anger out running the sadness out and I think that the main thing that it's given me is just a reason to go outside and I never thought I'd say this because you know during COVID during the lockdowns we could go outside once a day and not very far and it, it was such a valued part of my day I would go out every single day but since then sometimes I won't leave my flat for days especially since I can work from home full time and even if it's two or three times a, uh, a week running gets me outside and I know that you can obviously do it in the gym, do it on a treadmill. And I tried to do that yesterday. I was meant to do 8K and I was on the treadmill after 30 seconds. And it was a, it was a fancy treadmill with a screen. I could have Netflix. Mm-hmm. I was looking bored. There is something about going for a run and feeling the wind on your face, feeling the breeze. It's a bit uphill. It's a bit downhill. Seeing, I love people watching. And I'm, I'm constantly doing it on my run. I'm not zoned in. I'm looking at your dog. I'm looking at, oh my God, what train is he wearing? Or especially in Southwest London, there's a, sort of riverside group that I run and on a Saturday all of the clean girl sort of gym girlies are out and they're wearing really nice up leisure and I just love taking it all in so I think especially with the neurodiversity side it kind of does both I'm physically doing something but then also giving me that excitement but it's also a time where I feel very quiet which is rare so but I'm, I really encourage people to try running, go for it. But if you don't like it, don't force it. I like running. It's my thing. Every time I've asked my boyfriend to do it, oh, I can't think of anything worse. It's so boring. And that's what a lot of people feel. And I think that if you can have a go at it, great. Don't like it. That's absolutely fine. Try something else. Your, the thing that you love or, yeah, your thing it could be I don't know cycling it could be walking it could be tennis there are so many other forms of sport out there so if you go out and do it and it's not your bag it's not because you're rubbish it's not because of xyz you could just love something else yeah I think the whole part of when you are trying something new and it doesn't work out like I was saying with Pilates earlier like I felt rubbish after something that I had hoped was going to make me feel amazing but it's like like you're saying that just wasn't my thing same again with running outside I so I've started running in the gym like literally this week and I'm I'm, a, I'm an indoor girl <laughs> I <laughs> I love I literally had housewives up on my phone I was running through the reunion I think <laughs> it was the whole thing of like I don't have to think about where I'm going I don't have to like everything that you love I think I hate <laughs> but then that's again like we're both doing the same sport but finding the way that works for us so I think what yeah it's really encouraging and yeah I support you in like employing people to just try different things and just keep cycling through well cycling through all the yeah. different sports <laughs> until you find the one it's like and it also might even be the place you're doing it like maybe maybe a home workout is for you maybe you actually do need the gym maybe jump in the garden or outside like figuring out what it is or maybe it's like something less traditional maybe it's roller skating like there are so many ways to incorporate movement into your life that it doesn't have to be the way that you see it all over social Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a cute cute little segue (laughs) 
into run talk. Um, I want to know about your perspective on it because it <laughs> is <laughs> one of the things that almost made me stop running because mm-hmm. I am a quote unquote slow run. Like I get shin splints. I've got hip problems. Like trying to get me over a seven. What is it? What's my time? Like a seven thirty. Like good time. That's well, it was, I, I nearly had a six. I nearly, no, not a six. I nearly had a 6.30 and then I had to change my run route and then I got scared. So yeah, we had a, like, it was a, I can hold it for 3K, I think. But anyway, runner's jargon aside, um, <laughs> the whole clean girl of it all, the runner girl of it all, the scrunchies, the square, like all of that. How do you feel about, I know this is why I love your content. And this is why I really wanted to chat today because like it's refreshing. It's mm. not, um, it's, it's also nice to see something like, yeah, like I just popped a decathlon and get my shit. Like I'm not a Lululemon girly. Like my bank is yeah. not set up like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What's your experience been with social media and running? And then we'll get into like social side of running as well. I think that the sentence before your question about this captured it very well. That's exactly how I feel by it. Um, there's a very distinct kind of, I don't want to say group, but persona of, um, of what a runner looks like in London. And I think this also ties into the neurodiversity because I had this feeling growing up through school that I was different. I could never put my finger on it, but I was different. I was never in with the cool kids. And... What I learned in therapy, everything goes back to childhood. First of all, everything goes back to childhood. And I think the reason that I haven't gone to, I've been to one run club. I think the reason that I haven't gone back or tried different ones is I really recognize that we, yeah, I don't think I'd vibe with them. Mm -hmm. I think, first of all, big social things scare me anyway. But I think, um, I don't know how I could relate. And that's how I make all of my friendships kind of relating to people. The reason I started running is because I wanted to go to a run club because I wanted to make friends. <laughs> then I started to, I couldn't, I couldn't run as fast as they run. Like <laughs> I didn't believe them when it came to this whole sexy pace bullshit. And then it was like, I'm seeing the groups and seeing the people. I'm like, I am so okay. Like <laughs> I am not going to that. Like it's just a, it's a swarm of white runners in Nike alpha flies. I'm like, I can't, I'm, I, I'm not set up like that. Like I'm not built mm. like that. Mm. And it's also like, why am I going to take myself from it? Like, it just it did actually look like school, yeah. And that whole cool girl click kind of thing. I'm like, no, thank you. So, and then yeah, when you're jumping onto run talk, and I think what doesn't help is the algorithmic nature of things. Like the two extremes kind of surface. So on one side, you've got the aesthetic, speedy, can turn taking a shit into the best vlog you've ever heard kind of girls. And then you've got... That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's such a good way of putting it. Like they, they give you nothing a Pinterest quote couldn't give you, but it's like, I'm hooked. I'm in. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you have the... And I think analysing them is kind of fun as well. The slow runners who have made slow running their personality, but in the point where it's like almost... Com- competing against the other runners to validate yeah. their running and it's like 
what I just want to go outside and move and meet people yeah and it's like there's no space for the genuine average hobby runner yeah yeah I think that running has blown up on social media in the past I don't know six months eight months whatever and that's amazing and I love that all the like so many different people are trying it the things that I don't love and the things that I always try and highlight in the content that I put out who are my content in the TikToks that I put out these silly little videos is that like what you said you can go out with an old pair of trainers and I did couch 5k which is 12 weeks without buying anything and I realized that that's like a super sort of cheap way to do it but I have gotten this trap before where I've gone to the Nike shop, bought loads of outfits. Okay, we bought that so you need to exercise. And then when you don't do it, you feel bad. And this like negative cycle starts. And I think that now that running is super popular, especially in the last few weeks, I'm seeing these insane running wish lists. Two, three hundred pound running sunglasses. Nike Alpha Flies. I'm glad you mentioned the scrunchie because 40 pound scrunchies, don't get me wrong, they're super cute, they're lovely, they're beautiful. You're going to look so cute and cool in this whole outfit. None of it is necessary. And, you know, I haven't seen it once or twice. I think I've seen the same wish list 10 to 15 times. And you do you. It's your wish list. And if you have the money, if you work hard enough to buy that stuff, like, get it. That's amazing. But most of us don't. And, yeah, I think it will feeds into the run clubs that I see and I just don't see people that look like me I don't see people that represent me in terms of their sort of neurodiversity side and I'm not saying they don't exist but they are predominantly white and I think I think one of the reasons that I feel so comfortable in this conversation beyond this neurodiversity thing is speaking to another woman of color um and I really started thinking to myself over the past week why is all of the neurodiversity content on TikTok, the ADHD, why is it always white people? Why is the majority of the running content? I've seen like a handful of Asian girls, mostly white people. Yeah. And Even, sorry. Yeah, that was it really. It, it's oh. just something that I've started to become aware of. Um, maybe because, you know, when you're looking for me outside in, it's a bit like, I don't know. But I don't think it is that. And I hope that brands, I hope that all these, uh, you know, what are they called? Like a measure brands when they're reaching out to work with creators and they're trying to get their brand exposure, that they start to approach it a bit differently and try and diversify because how long can that go? And I know that when they show their sort of um, outfits, their idea of diversity is having a plus size girl and it's like tick diversity done but i just don't think it's good enough then i don't even think in running specifically they're not doing much for body diversity um i think what i'd also like to chat about is your tips for beginner runners so we kind of like briefly alluded to some earlier on but if there's anything more specific you want to delve into um whether it's like apps you recommend or like ways to get going get off the couch mm. get into the streets or the gym okay okay and this this ties in well to what we just spoke about first of all by all means consume that content 
all running content, let it inspire you, get tips from it, all of that. But please just be aware for your own sanity that it is content and even the most relatable content has been curated. And um, I think, especially with like day in the lives or vlogs, they used to feel like you're going around with someone. It's been set up. Someone's either stuck their phone somewhere or done a tripod, done multiple takes. And just take it all with a pinch of salt. Um, just kind of protect yourself. And then I feel like what you said about slow running, everyone's like, do you hate running? Do you want to go from the sofa to running 5K? Have you always hated growing up? It's not because you're a bad runner. It's because you didn't run slow enough. And I am like, I haven't said anything yet. I've never done a post about it. I completely disagree. I have always been a slow runner. Like I have never been out there running four minute kilometers. That's just not me. I've always been slow. I think that you need a plan. Um, and I think it's great advice to just be like, oh, just go out there and like run a little bit and have fun. But for me, I needed a plan and I needed a structure. And the best bit is there are loads that are free. There are loads of apps that are free. Running experts have all, they've worked out for you. So you know exactly how much you need to run, how much you can walk and you can build up over weeks or months to being a couch potato, to being a runner. And I think don't even beat the pace, the slow pace, the sexy pace. Just find a plan that works for you. Find a trainer that you like, because they're all so different. The apps are different, the plans are different. Um, runner has been pushed a lot. And so I think that's probably another reason that I was a bit disappointed by it. From an accessibility point of view. Uh, how can I say this? It's primitive. It, it needs work. It needs work. Take, for example, if you, you know, it's, you're, it's meant to be a coach. You're doing a guided run. I'm trying to, trying to do an interval run. I've got the voice, the voice coach, which is like AI on the highest setting possible. I can't hear it over the music. I'm listening to the runner playlist that should be able to lower the volume and especially for people that suffer with auditory processing that's that could definitely fit ADHD definitely for autism I definitely do I have no idea what they're saying so then I'm looking at my phone constantly oh my god I was meant to run then I've, I've missed it I'm completely off the plan and you were charging me 15 pounds a month and the other day i this is, this is getting nitpicky. It's just so busy. And I think that, obviously, I assume it's only a few years old. They've done really well. Get someone from user experience in. Get a developer in. Just work on that because maybe for the average person, it's fine. But for me, it gets me overwhelmed. And when I'm having to stop my run a minute in, because all these pop-ups have came up, it's selected treadmill and outdoors. I can get very like this very quickly. So I then have to be like, fine just restart the run restart the run but I didn't find it very user-friendly and it those little moments where I'm like huh yeah the accessibility is sorry thought about now what did you start off your journey using so I use the NHS Couch 5k app I hate it 10 12 out of 10 I have used that so many times throughout my life um I never completed it before I'd get to a certain point where I'd get hard I'd be like I'm not doing this anymore um but you can choose your coach. It's very just clear and easy to lay out. And what I like about it is that when you when you can see your run for the day, you can see exactly how much you have to run or walk. And I think 
that was really reassuring for me, overcoming that barrier, kind of like, okay, it's only this much. Um, and then I moved on to Nike Run Club. Again, it's free. That took me a little time, a little bit of time to get used to again because I hate change and you couldn't see how much you had to run for the whole thing. But um, globally, the, the Nike global head coach, I think everyone around the world loves Coach Bennett. I don't know if you've heard about him. And he is just, I saw a comment on one of my TikToks saying that, that they would invite him to their wedding. I would invite him to mine. <laughs> if I could, he's just like a warm hug. That warm is the best word. A warm hug, a reassuring hug. Um, I feel like I owe my life to him. And then he'll comment on your thing being like, no, he did all the hard work. It wasn't me. But genuinely, I think, you know, exercise and PE lessons and the bleep test, all of it is someone shouting at you, it's punishing. No wonder we don't enjoy exercise and no wonder we don't find joy in movement. When you have someone kind of being your cheerleader and pushing you on and all of that, it just really can change your mindset. What is your go-to song when you're like in a bit of a slump you're like I just need to get through this like next little part of the run what gets you going oh I'm so glad you asked me and I think Katy Perry part of me I have no idea what that song is <laughs> are you going to sing a little bit of it um or? no I can't okay genuinely because I remember when I was a teen I was like 17 18 and when I was running I was running for weight loss but that song and I'd listen to it on my iPod because back then you didn't have apps and have smartphones you would run with an iPod Nano that song would get me old. on <laughs> <laughs> I'm like now I'm trying to talk about my age on TikTok because I'm like trying to like pass being Gen Z but I'm so not like you fully not... look I thought you I thought we were the same age I'm 26 I thought we were the same age thank you thank you I uh, yeah I'm I'm in hiding um but it's a song that just gets me pumped or Mulan, let's get down to business. That's so. That one I know. That one is fire. I read it. Yeah, you need Amazing. to get a song that like gets you going. That definitely does. Thank you for everything that you shared today and being so open and honest about your well journey in both running and life. Um, I'm hoping that the audience got something from it. I definitely did. No, thank you. I feel like um, this was a, a great chat, and I'm super grateful that you asked me to. Beyond, I truly have no idea what I've said for like the last hour and 10, 15 minutes. I always feel honoured whenever a guest gives up the time to join us and share on the podcast. All of their socials will be linked in the description box as well as in the show notes if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. The episode was incredible and I don't need you to tell me how great it was. I do need you to tell the person who has joined us late and is wondering if it's worth listening to. A like, comment, rate or review of the episode sharing what you've learned or what you want to see more of will be super, super helpful. Because season one has been free for you, but a lot of work for me. And before I start work on season two, I guess I'm kind of looking for an encore. Like, do you want more? Are there any guests or perspectives you've not heard from before? Here's your chance to shape the future of Not Sorry I'm Late. You can also support this show by signing up to the newsletter. The vibe is media and culture. The vibe is pop culture. The vibe is just like this podcast, live from a neurodivergent perspective. You can find the newsletter over at notsorryimlate.com. And as always, don't be sorry that you're late to take up space now that you're here. And I hope to speak to you again next week.